lately, um, you might have seen a bunch of your favorite podcasts doing a blackout where they replaced a regular episode on their feed completely um, with a message like the one you're about to hear. We decided that because until two weeks ago, we'd been doing kind of uh, an unintentional uh, several month blackout by just not releasing episodes. Um, ultimately, this message was going to reach the most possible ears if we put it at, at the head uh, of an episode. In the coming weeks and months, we're hoping to feature more and more work by black creators on our regular feed. Um, we've also been trying to signal boost podcasts and other works of fiction by black creators on our Twitter feed. But we also encourage you to seek them out on your own. There is no shortage. Also, if you are a black creator who's starting out, uh, I, Christian, am offering some services for free that I would normally charge for for you. Um, if you think you might benefit from any of my experience making this podcast uh, or working professionally in visual effects, you can find out more on my personal Twitter at CT Madeira. Uh, all the details are in my pinned tweet. Until then, we are taking a message from Heartlife NFP, which uh, they in turn took from the example and words of Black Lives Matter Chicago. Oh, and if you are black, brown, or indigenous and you don't want to relive all of this again, feel free to skip ahead to about eight minutes or so for today's actual episode. Uh, but if you are not black, brown, or indigenous, and especially if you are white, um, we really, really, really want to encourage you to stick around for this and just sit through your discomfort. We call for an end to the state violence against and criminalization of black communities through police forces, an unjust legal system, and federal, state, and local political organizations. As the artists behind the Once and Future Nerd, we call on our fellow art makers in positions of institutional power and privilege to take concrete actions to make your institutions and artistic work explicitly and actively anti-racist. We affirm our commitment to do the same here. We will interrogate ourselves when we have fallen short of this goal and recommit to do better every time. The United States is a country founded on land stolen from indigenous peoples, built with the stolen labor and lives of enslaved black people. We call especially on white listeners to reckon with this fact today and every day. The following list is both incomplete and horrifyingly long. These people were the victims of hate crimes, police officers, and of an unjust white supremacist system. We say their names and we remember their lives. Tamir Rice, Samuel DeBose, Walter Scott, Jordan Davis, Tony McDade, Dion Johnson, Dante Parker, Michelle Cousseau, Laquan McDonald, Richard Perkins, Nathaniel Harris Pickett, Benny Lee Tignor, Miguel Espinal, Michael Knoll, Kevin Matthews, Betty Jones, Quintonio Legrier, Heath Childress Jr., Janet Wilson, Randy Nelson, Anthony Scott, George Mann, John Crawford III, Ezel Ford, Aaron Bailey, Ronell Foster, Stefan Clark, Antoine Rose II, Tanisha Anderson, Alton Sterling, Philando Castile, Botham John, Pamela Turner, Akai Gurley, 
Remain Brisbane, Trayvon Martin, Jerome Reed, Matthew Ajibde, Frank Smart, Alexia Christian, Brendan Glenn, Victor Manuel LaRosa, Jonathan Sanders, Freddie Blue, Joseph Mann, Salvato Ellswood, Albert Joseph Davis, Darius Stewart, Billy Ray Davis, Michael Sabby, Brian Keith Day, Christian Taylor, Troy Robinson, Natasha McKenna, Tony Robinson, Anthony Hill, Maya Hall, Philip White, Eric Harris, Walter Scott, William Chapman II, Eshams Farrow Manley, Felix Kumi, Keith Harrison McLeod, Junior Prosper, Lamontez Jones, Patterson Brown, Dominic Hutchinson, Anthony Ashford, Alonzo Smith, Tyree Crawford, India Kager, Levante Biggs, Michael Lee Marshall, Jamar Clark, Wendell Celestine, David Joseph, Kaylin Rockmore, Dashawn Perkins, Christopher Davis, Marco Loud, Peter Gaines, Tori Robinson, Darius Robinson, Kevin Hicks, Mary Truxio, Demarcus Seamer, Willie Tillman, Terrell Thomas, Silville Smith, Michael Brown, Eric Garner, Sandra Bland, Freddie Gray, Terence Crutcher, Paul O'Neill, Alteria Woods, Jordan Edwards, Dominique Clayton, Christopher Whitfield, Christopher McCorvey, Eric Reason, Michael Lorenzo Dean, Brianna Taylor, Atatiana Jefferson, Ahmad Arbery, Doug Lewis, George Floyd, Manuel Ellis, Maurice Gordon. Black Lives Matter. And while we're at it, trans lives matter too, uh, since some fantasy authors seem intent on denying that for some reason. Uh, just a reminder that black trans women are one of the most vulnerable populations in the world right now, so you can't really claim to be for justice if you're not at least trying to stick up for them. We really do encourage you to do something to help, especially if you're white. Um, there's a lot of ways you can do that, depending on your circumstances. Might be money, time, going to demonstrations, whatever you know your your situation and your health allows. Um, one easier thing you might do um, on June 19th from midnight to midnight Pacific time, Bandcamp is going to be donating all of their proceeds to the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. Um, so we will be doing the same. So if you want to help us raise money for that. Uh, you can buy a song or two at onceinfuturenerd.bandcamp.com. Uh, again, June 19th, we will be donating all of our proceeds from sales that day to the NAACP Legal Defense Fund along with Bandcamp. Also, if you don't know what Juneteenth is, uh, it's very important. Please look it up. But we also encourage you to think about how you can sustainably support all of these interlocking movements long term um, and not just when it's unavoidably in your face. It took about 400 years for things to get this bad, so it's going to take a while to fix.
prep for a marathon, not a sprint. Okay, um, next you're going to hear a commentary track that a few of us recorded back in late April, which, uh, if you check, is approximately 7,000 years ago, um, for one of our favorite chapters all the way back in book one. It was called Monsters, and we hope you find something useful in the commentary. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special bonus episode of The Once and Future Nerd. We are here to be recording a commentary track on one of our early, and in our opinions, one of our best chapters, which is uh, Book 1, Chapter 4, Monsters. We're joined today by Anya Gibeon. Hello, Anya. Hello. By Paul Notice. Hi, Paul. Hey, what's up? What's up? By Ian Harkins. Hello, everyone. And, and by Christian Madera. Hello. And me, Zach. So, hi, everyone. Welcome. So, right. yeah, we've never done this before, so hopefully it'll go well, but we are going to jump right into it. I'm going to press play. There's, there's a few seconds of, like, fade in on the episode, but that's okay. I will press play right. in three, two, one, play. House Iron Hertz was dead. And not in a vague metaphor. I think this is the first time we did like a cold open, like where we had a scene before the opening credits, and we've done that a few more times since. And uh, I think it works in this episode. I don't know why we decided to do it, but I just in, it felt like instinctively like it deserved a cold open, so we did it. This was all unbeknownst to the town smith as he drove his wagon through the foothills of the Black Mountains towards what he believed was still his home. The smoke he saw over the horizon did not trouble him. Quite the opposite. For today, and just for context, I looked this up. This chapter ran between uh, March 16th and May 11th of 2014. Wow. That's when We've been doing this for a little while, haven't called. we? Yeah, different, yeah, different yeah. times. Down to flee. This is more than five years ago. It's wild. Yeah. Wow. Cloak blocked his way. Yeah, I remember this. It's the old witch call it. He was like mouth watering because like a little bit like of a cannibal sense of thing was going on. Yeah. Like, mm, coming back home. Future nerd. Book one. Princes of Jordan. Chapter 4, Monsters. Nice. So, while the credits are playing, we chose this Chapter 4 to do our commentary track because we didn't really want to start with the first one because we kind of felt like we hit our stride around Chapter 4 here. <laughs> That's a real shit. That's, yeah. So, wh why... Chapter 4 is pretty dope. Why, what, what made you think, like, what was the warm-up needed for the first three uh, episodes then. I can't believe you just killed a guy. Me, me. I think it was, I mean, it was partially, largely for, for my part, I think it was like learning how to write um, for audio. Because I was coming from a, from a, like a, a screenwriting background and it's, it is a different skill set. There's a lot of overlap, but you've got to kind of, so I think we, we hit the, the stride of like tone and what we could do with audio or not. Starting around this, we're chapter. literally we're literally now speaking over audio overlap, like, like all that dialogue <laughs> yes. overlap coming in just to illustrate your point. <laughs> yeah, the, this the idea of doing audio commentary on audio might be just a chaotic mess. So this is why this is an experiment. 
Um, we're going to find out whether this works in audio. How long you known me? I don't know. <laughs> that works. That's real. So by the fourth time we do this, we'll have really hit our stride. Yeah. Safe bet I want to talk Right. Exactly. Oh, okay. Anya's speaking. Behind some rocks so that the two could speak privately. I'm trying to compare my accent <laughs> yeah. six years ago versus my Regan <laughs> oh. accent today. <laughs> Yo, yeah, yeah. I, think, I feel like I, I feel like Regan was like red. we tried to really go hard Boston early on, and I think present Regan has a little more New York in her. Yeah, probably living that. in Brooklyn for for five years and in then intermingling times. Yeah, it's not his fault. Yeah, I wonder if any of because um, everybody who's on the call now was performing in this chapter we're hearing. And I wonder if you guys had any experiences of like, um, feeling like, like gradually finding your characters at all. Oh yeah. Oh my God. I I feel like I could not understand. I I feel like I couldn't get like, there are times where I I would try to do a young kid's voice for Nelson and it just wouldn't work. And I just focused too much on trying to get it young. And then like, there's more where just like, I don't know, man. The accent jumped around a whole bunch. And then also, like, but the emotion was always there. So I, I felt like there's a moment where, uh, in Monsters, you know, I, I was just listening to this, where Billy and Nelson have this, like, nice little argument about, like, privilege and race. And it's mm. beautiful. Like, I, I cringe at, like, the accent, like, does not sound like a kid at all. It sounds like two, like, college students. <laughs> but it's still good. <laughs> still works. I don't know. You know, it still slaps, as they say. You know? Uh, still yeah, slaps. Yeah, as well. I'm, still slaps. So, like, a uh, nice, good... Thumb slapper. Uh, what was that? No, so I, I was going to say, like, also, uh, what Christian was saying, I listen to some of my. Um, I listen to some of the, the narrator. I'm like, oh my God, it is a glacial pace. I'm sorry for everyone f- for taking up half the episode. My God, on a paragraph. Oh, wait a minute. That's actually. It's good though. You know what happened? Like, or so, like me, like me and my partner, we were like literally like like cooking and listening to the the, the like the whole season and stuff. And like your quote unquote glacial place is like therapeutic. It like calms down the entire thing. <laughs> like it, it was at first like oh we gotta go. Now it's like hmm meditative, nice keen little state. It's good. Oh, I think you should keep it. <laughs> you might have like a uh, the equivalent. You know, so it's, it's good. It's good. Uh, I was uh, like the equivalent of ASMR, but like well, we, we are in an age now where we need like. Stress relief methods. Regarding the imminent split of yeah. The talk That's it. That's it. You mark it as that. There you go. <laughs> Halfway. I don't know. You got to uh, call Where are we that. now? Where I are we now? Great, I've been though. a terrible person. Well, that has not yet joined me. It's Rhiannon. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, it's fine. I think there's like 15 books. <laughs> 50 books. There's so many. That last one sounds vaguely familiar. As though oh. I read Ooh, the prophecies. Yes. The next day. Yeah. I guess we started setting those up really early and haven't really gotten around to paying them off until now. <laughs> Eight years later, or whatever. That's good pacing right there. That's how you tell a good story. No harm will come to them, General. I swear on my house. No harm. You mean apart from... This is when uh, Hayes Dunlap was playing Yellowin. Uh, I wonder how Hayes is doing. Hayes, if you're still listening to this, drop us a line and say hi. Farewells were bid. Brennan found himself... This was also, on a technical note, at this point we were still using rever- like some fairly heavy reverb to set the narration apart sonically. Um, and since we've switched to making the narrator actually like extremely dry, um, 
like as opposed to everybody else who will have some environmental reverb on them. Um, and that is partly because our recording techniques have improved to the point where we could get a really good sounding dry track on Ian. And it's partly because um, listening to uh, to wooden overcoats, the way that they record their narrator is extremely dry. Um, and I really, really liked that. So mm. I kind of adjusted our, our produ- uh, production techniques. Which studio? Plus we put Ian in a, in a dehydrator. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, you just let yeah, me. We now have a, a dusty, desiccated Ian. You you just let my dry humor take over, really, and you get this. Oofa doofa. That's right. Christian and Zach, which, or anybody who remembers, which studio did we record this one in? Clamor of battle outside, and so ventured out. I was about to ask the same question, actually. I think was this was this like Star Star Street or in so, Bushwick somewhere? No, this we weren't in Bushwick yet. This was at yeah. a studio that I don't know for certain that we actually had permission to record there, so I'm not going to put them on blast. But I believe this was like this was like Chelsea, if you guys remember. Mm-hmm, oh mm-hmm, my god mm-hmm. that's the I, I got I remember like there's a moment where I, I I left my poster there I went to go get it back and the guy like acted really weird he was like who is who are you what are you doing here and I was like uh, uh I just well my post it was really I mean I told you about it was yeah super that was, bad, there was a whole there I'm was laughing a whole now, but it was thing. not good <laughs> I didn't like that one. there was but a thank whole you, though, thing yeah, no. which is largely yeah, why yeah. we don't record there anymore <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah, she's yeah, yeah. I remember that. Hand ringing. Also, another reason why we started uh, doing the commentary on this chapter is because the first chapter we recorded in Christian's living room, and the audio quality from that was not the greatest. Yeah, there was this apartment. It wasn't even my. It was Jess's apartment in Harlem, where like oh, the right. living the it was like a railroad's like. The living room was just long and thin, um, and the uh, acoustics were uh, not great. Um, so yeah, we did. Uh, we did. I think one and two there. No, no, we did one there. We did two at somewhere that I snuck into that I wasn't supposed to record at. I think that was two and three. Then we did four through five or six at the place in Chelsea that we weren't yeah. supposed to record at. And then we were in Bushwick for the um, for the rest of um, of book one, and then for book two we switched over to recording um, with with Jared Paul, who we love and have are going to cling to for dear life. I won't seek vengeance against you, and let the record show this is now totally above board. We have permission to record <laughs> yes. with Jared Paul and everything. Yes, we sent him a ten ninety nine and everything. It's as above board as it can be. We're, we're having a great. Right on. We're having a but great moment, by the way. If you can hear, like Anya's accents, uh, the benefit of prime here. Bound by honor. By now, Brennan and Regan had reached shouting <laughs> distance of the officers. I'm trying to scroll along with the script. I don't know where the fuck we are. I love this part of the script. No, this is great. It's always the uh, there's like a Buddhist saying of like there's more than to eliminate binary thinking. It's either this or that. And this is a moment where uh, both like. Brennan and Regan are both right. Like, Regan's like, no, they're going to portray you. Mm. And, like, right? And then Brennan's like, no, these are armed men. But they're both. They just have their wives or, like, capture some weird stuff like that, I think. It's a really good, like, just... I I made little notes about the writing. The writing's great. Like, that was a nice, good thing of, like, non-binary. It wasn't... Do you know what I mean? It was just the third option. They're both honorable and, you know, going to betray them. Talking too much. Keep going. (laughs) 
Thank you, Paul. No, it's good. I'm sorry, sir. Read up. Redmore crossbowman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that was... Guys, listen to the reverb on my voice. Man, what, this, what, this what episode directorial zips, choice like, was that? We're moving really fast. I feel like our pacing good. has gotten Boom. Uh, considerably slower, which I don't need. think is necessarily a bad thing because we can do some really, really detailed character work. But... Shoot me... <laughs> Everyone dies. <laughs> we just zipped through that one. Hard huh? voice acting there. <laughs> big choices. Big choices. Regan is all about big choices. I do feel like the writing of Regan has definitely evolved. I feel like in this chapter, especially, there's like some, like, I'm not going to say like, I feel like she's gotten a little mm. subtler, subtler in her ways, mm. or maybe more introspective. Right. There's like a there's a backstory with a cat. This is when we introduce the cat backstory. It definitely I remember this. It's like this episode or the next one where like they talk about the cat and you kind mm-hmm. of get more of like why Regan is Regan. I fucking love that shit. It right? it definitely starts to 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 humanize her more in this chat. I think that's a combination yeah. of like that's naturally where the plot is going. And mm-hmm. also me, like, becoming a better writer and better understanding the character. <laughs> I'm trying to find – there's a great um, – <laughs> there was a great tweet that – let's see. I'm going to – okay, so this is uh, Paul Kruger on Twitter who wrote, I have written my characters into a tight corner so they can escape it to demonstrate their ingenuity. But I forgot one key mm-hmm. detail, that escape is to be written by me, a dumbass. <laughs> Um, and I think like part of why Regan uh, has become more human is because I got smarter and came to understand her better, you know? I beg your mm. Yeah. Yeah. Real. That's right. That's Julie. I, I forgot Julie? about Ju- Yeah, Julie's performance as the sex worker is so like I think she did that in one take and I was like, Don't change a thing, it's perfect. Not to describe to you the He's like, can you just be someone from like an old West side show for some reason? She was like, yup, and did that. It was like, perfect. Traumatized facial expressions of Billy, Jen, and Nelson following this demonstration reinforced my knowledge that shame is a very powerful human emotion. I actually never saw what I was like, well, we were supposed to imagine with that. I had no idea what was going on. Well, she just like she did her best to context. What well, was the, the there was some sort of there's some sort of dick joke I'm sure. N- knowing you, oh, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Always be aimed towards procreation. Or constrained by standard human anatomy. The children's discomfort was amplified by the decor of the office, of which the unifying aesthetic was a preoccupation with sexual organs. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> As if on cue. There it is. Her well-worn evening gown, she bore an uncanny resemblance to the Bailey who had sold our traveller's armour nearly a fortnight ago. Oh, yeah, where did this idea from? Oh, yeah, this is another Bailey. This is, yeah, I forgot from. about that. Sister runs the armory. I get that a lot, though. Is that from Mario? Where all the Koopas sell everything? Right, it's from, like, any of the, like the 16-bit era games where they could only have, like, so many character models, so every town you go to has the same merchant everywhere. I mean, mostly it's like a Zelda and a Castlevania thing, but, yeah, all of... Any game from that era, that was kind of the joke. And then even Bailey got to, In the old like, Pokemon games with mm-hmm. Nurse Joy. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. thing is, 
my business isn't something of a gray area as far as the law is concerned. Sergeant McShane makes sure... Just like this our before I did once and actually could do an Irish accent. Right. <laughs> and then you were in yeah once for a while and did an Irish accent all the time. I was hoping you Yeah, like a better one. Sure <laughs> for me. Of course. Man or woman? Well, I suppose it doesn't matter so long as they can read. Read? Well, oh, I remember this. I'll send someone to your room. Madam Bailey winked at Nia. Nice you. timing on that one, Anya. <laughs> <laughs> Help me, what did I just ask for? Later that night, as the party settled into their newfound quarters, Billy and Nelson found themselves... I think, I want to double check, I think this may have been so Rhiannon's first chapter. The um, I know it's good that it happened, but... Yes, this is this is Rhiannon's first chapter playing Nia. She did yeah. such a wonderful job. Like, I feel like she already kind of understood the character very well. Yeah, yeah, nice. That blows. This is a nice moment between. This is one of our first like really nice moments between Billy and Nelson. Your genius brain is so high above mine. I didn't mean that. I'd be smart too if my parents taught college. Or if you. Oh oh. We don't all get affirmative. Oh. Seriously? This, you want to switch places with me when we get back? Well, not for everything, but you like... Love it. Are dead, right? yeah. So good. <laughs> what page are we on? I'm... No butt, man. Lost. My bad. Yeah, well... 15, 16? Yeah, there we go. I think around here we're equally fucked for once. Ha, <laughs> no bullshit. I kind of thought you'd be more okay with the thing. Not to my own horn, but I love the delivery. Yeah, that was a nice moment. <laughs> that was the Not most to tooting around the horn. But all good inside. You can't just... Uh, yeah. That was great. But I, well I deserve really tooting around the horn, though. <laughs> Thank you. Christian, was this that. one of the ones where... Oh, you high school. There was one. There was one studio where we were where we could stand and face each other and sort of move around a bit more and and play out the scenes some more. It was sort of early on. Was that Chelsea? Fucked up ours is. What would you say about this fucking place? I th- yeah. think that was this yeah, one. Chelsea. Yeah, I think that was because I remember there's yeah. that there's that really intense scene in a later chapter with um. Yeah, uh, Arlene and Rickard, where we actually like we actually blocked it out. Yeah, in the I remember room. that. And, and there was like several of those. Whoa. That was that those was there. Two-hander yeah. scenes where that that I felt like that really really worked. And talking about like finding that rhythm, that medium between having it be a, an audio drama and making sure technically we were doing everything properly. Hallway outside the bedrooms, she stared with great melancholy at yeah. a message informing her that. Mm-hmm. Whatever sorcery. I think it would yeah, be both for both for acting purposes, like being actually opposite with the, your partner, and mm-hmm. also like it sort helps. of in action heavy sequences where you could be like, okay, this is happening, and then you'd be over here, and sort of that like interplay of of making sounds when things are actually physically happening. Kissed him on the cheek, like a way of like problem solving. Yeah, so like what was kind of like sound? What, what sound? I'm fine. I think it would be cool in a in some future project or spinoff or whatever to to play around with binaural recording, which is if you guys don't know, there's a a thing that's it's basically like 
They, they make a human head out of foam that has a similar density to an actual human head and put microphones where the ears would be so that, like, your brain perceives – if you listen with headphones, your brain perceives space in a very realistic way because you're actually getting, you know, the sound waves hitting one ear, moving through the skull and hitting the other ear. Um and wow. to, like, actually stage a scene that way, I think that would be, like, so that it's like you're an audience member sitting in the middle of the room and you're hearing it happen around you very realistically. Uh, I think that would be a cool thing to experiment with, but they're um, quite expensive yeah. and I don't know how to record with them. It's like VR, uh, okay. like audio VR. Yeah, very much, yeah. It's really cool. Is it so? It's literally like it's a styrofoam head that acts as a a mic or what? What are you talking there's, about? There's How microphones in both ears, and like the way that like your brain places sound based on the differences between a sound wave entering both of your ears at very slightly different right. times and very slightly different right. pitches because it's passed through like it takes slightly longer to hit one ear than the other because of you know trigonometry and it's also passing through your skull um so by putting the microphones in those places and then listening with headphones you get the same um experience as you would like and like there's you can go youtube videos where there's like getting a haircut recorded with a binaural microphone and it's like really freaky like at some point you will pull your headphones ah. off and think somebody knocked on your door wearing very little clothing hello i kind of want to do that that's kind of dope though yeah we should tell you that i think it's a good idea what were we gonna say you remove weird fun fact the way that we hear like that our ears are at the same level Owl's ears are offset left and right, so they get that effect with height as well. Like, they could hear if a sound is above or below them, not just left and right. Oh, and they need that for, like, flying, too. Like, that's fucking brilliant. There's going to be elevation, even when you're perching. I love that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. typically expected him to have carnal relations with his hand, which he presently set to with wild enthusiasm. <laughs> okay. So that's happening. I and need just... you to get some books. Can you? Wow. My God, are you dizzy? You can't possibly have a <laughs> Julie, Julie shines in this uh, chapter. There's like, I mean, there's stuff coming up that's pretty hardcore, but there's a lot of fun stuff for her characters to do. He doesn't need to get dressed. For, you to for sure. Please get dressed. <laughs> Looking this line is great, yeah. It's like, no, he doesn't have to. You can keep it. It's great. He had entered with. In his present state, it didn't quite. This is a very funny scene. Maybe you should make it. It's great. It's great. Have Madame Bailey give you some street clothes, then take this list to the library at the college. Pray bring back the books on it as soon as you can. Nia handed the man. Going back to that freaking library. Down once more. Does 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 anyone can anyone check out books? Like, what's the library card procedure? That's a great question, actually. Uh, that's real. Since I left Wait, are they, so I should probably. Right, yeah, yeah, me neither. I cared for a body as a well ordered body, so. Totally. If you just, excuse <laughs> me. I forgot about that. <laughs> when a young girl ran into the room and dove under the bed, Nia and Jen exchanged befuddled looks before Jen dropped to her knees to address the diminutive intruder. Hi, honey. Are you lost? Where's your mommy and daddy? The girl was silently crying. The door opened again, and the handsome man who had recently left entered again, closing the door behind him and blocking it with his body. He looked terrified. What in your... 
Jen looked to Nia, troubled. From the hallway, they could make out two、uh-huh. pairs of footsteps, one of heavy boots and the other of a fashionable woman. I think this is like this may have been like the the, the pointed towards darkest we got early on,、oh, and yeah, especially in such a quick shift from a from a humorous scene. Realized what needed to be done, steeled her nerves. Right, we get dark in book one. Sorry, our young Jen has grown quite fond of the errand boy you sent. Lied Nia as she poked her head out to address Madame Bailey and the well-groomed city guardsman she was with. How much do I owe you on the house? You haven't by chance seen a little girl running around tonight, have you? Afraid I haven't. The poor dear's gone to sleep at bedtime. If you see or hear anything, please let me know. I surely will. Thank you. Oh, and where are my manners? Nia, this is Sergeant McShane. Nia struggled to feign a smile. Pleasure. All this, this, uh, this the uh, version of, of sorry, <laughs> all this during like while her like roommate is having sex. I guess the last, the last, the last thing that's hilarious though is that it's like, well, we're not going to ask why I'm watching her have sex with your, but we're well, no, we're having a, a, a thing. So if you could, it was all <laughs> no one a, asked. It was like, yeah, for free. Go ahead. Anyway, here's my friend. <laughs> it's wild. I love. <laughs> well, you know, privacy is actually kind of an invention of modernity because most houses Ooh, back in this time would have been one room.、Um, Oh, he put on bleach. Okay, I think like <laughs> Bailey is a. This version of Bailey is like a pretty upsetting, like <laughs> neutral evil or even neutral neutral type of character.、Uh, yeah. I think it's like well played to someone who's like,、um, you know, very interpersonally pleasant but willing to、yeah. just tolerate horror. Did you just yeah, classify yeah, yeah. her as real Dungeons and yeah, Dragons? Yeah, she's definitely the most like. Sociopathic of the sisters. Only to never speak of him again. Did you? Burning sort of lunatic. Where were we at? Which, which I think also contributes to like the joke, where in all those video games they're literally the same person, but each of our Bailey sisters are their own people, which I kind of like.、Mm. Yeah, like the the Bailey that runs the inn is very different than the Bailey that runs the brothel. Mm. Mm-hmm. Of course, heard stories of orcs before, but had counted. Oh, is this Smith the Smith?、Mm-hmm. Smith yeah, the he, Smith. he came in earlier. There you go. He was in the he was in the opening, and now he's got. Excuse me. Now he's got basically an entire episode devoted to him. I, this was our first five parter, I believe, and I think it was a five parter largely because which is of course this scene is like super important.、Um, But it it didn't fit pacing wise with the rest、mm. of the main plot stuff. It was too long to fit in another episode, and it wanted to throw off the pacing. So we just stuck it on its own in the middle.、Um, and so I think it may have also been this might be one of the first episodes where we don't hear at all from any of the seven main characters. Right.、Um, so and so I was nervous about it working, but I think it ultimately. Uh, did thanks in large part to the performances. Said Troft in a tongue. I think it's also they said like this is like the the way that he gets him to. They get Smith to like join the army. It's not like through torture or threats. I mean, there's a deadly failed threat where he's like, well, I don't know. I might just like go ahead and lose, and we're not gonna say anything. I mean, 
we don't know if we believe that or not. No because threats, it's not but it's that's not the primary <laughs> yeah. thing either. It's not the primary. Right, right. I, I kind of like that. I like the idea that he's like, let me just talk to you about this. It's not an evil world domination thing. It's just, hey, uh, is that guy really your friend? Is he really your friend? I don't know. It's like, I love that. I love it. I mean, it's almost like a... Does, did you do that to parallel... Who wrote this scene, by the way? I don't know. Is this, is this up or down? Who were both of you guys together? Did, did this powers combined type I of thing? I think <laughs> I probably did most of the heavy drafting on this one, I think, but I'm not 100% sure. Was this scene meant to also, like, kind of in a way parallel, like, uh, you know, the Southern strategy where it was like poor white farmers and like dividing them up between white and black or whatever mm-hmm. and like that, uh, that whole thing? Was that almost like an answer to that on how it is now where it's like you have. People that support Trump. I mean, back then there was no Trump, I don't think, right? Yeah, right. 2014. It was pre-Trump era, but wouldn't you think that that sure, conversation sure. could almost work, like for Smith & Smith, it could work for Trump voters where it's like, you're on behalf of the rich and powerful, but they're not really for you. Like, right. It, he, like, Traft is yeah. trying to, like, basically we had kind of the um, the peasantry of Jordan kind of stands in for, like, poor whites in in our society as much, you know, to whatever extent yeah. we do, do an allegory. Um, and Traft is trying to expose kind of what we would call the Southern strategy of getting – um, of getting the people to vote against their most obvious economic uh, self-interest in order to preserve yeah. this kind of um, whatever benefits they receive from a kind of racialized caste system, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. And so Traft is kind of right, trying to show Smith, like, the people you are willing to die for are not your friends. Um, and in this case, it works. Um Mm-hmm. I don't think I understand. Fucking brilliant. Just round of applause giving you that. Thank you. Good writing. Good writing. Good writing. Thank you. I know it was promised to the Civic Guard, but I'm pretty sure they ain't claimed it yet. I know you know where it is because you put it there. Very keen to acquire that arsenal, Smith the Smith, and I'd kindly appreciate if you told me where to find it. What happens if I Very polite, which I like. I'll be forced to retreat. The Civic Guard will take this castle, and I'll keep... Is this the first time we see Troft? Longer, probably lose eventually. I think it is. I yeah, think so. this is a good, like, intro well, episode for him. You're not gonna torture me. Yeah. I reckon you'll live out the rest of your days the same as you've been doing. How much are they paying you for that arsenal? Because we get... Yeah, because this was where we started. Sorry, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Give me a number, maybe I can do better. Yeah, because we called this chapter Monsters because this is where we started flipping around who's the monster and who's not the monster. Yeah, yeah. Because prior to this point, we just had, like, the legend or the, you know, the rumors about Traft, and now we hear him here, and he's very polite, so that's sort of flipping that on edge. And then we get McShane, who's clearly the monster, and then we get Jen, who kills McShane, and now she's a murderer, but she killed the monster. And then... Brennan and Regan, uh, they do their own killing, I think, at the end. But so that's where we start, like looking at who's the monster and why are they the monster, sort of thing. I like it, and they're put two together. Even, I like you know, it. Yeah, even the concept of people being monsters, you know, mm-hmm. who does that serve? You see any of that profit? Well, get enough to feed my family. You ain't got a family. You'd already asked about them when I did. I mean, what happened to them? They returned to Galadin. 
I hate my accent so much. So strongly my voice. <laughs> Just a little bit of twang on it. It's just Paul Diet Paul, that's all it is. It's great. <laughs> oh good. Then put a stop to it. Take your I feel like to like to Traft's credit, he actually like really listens to this dude, even when mm-hmm. this dude's truth is not like helping Traft's cause, you know? Like, yeah, I think that's yeah, one of the most yeah. sympathetic things about draft. Please continue. Yeah. Tell me mm. what they've said. They say that an, an orc. Well, an orc raped my mother, and that's where I came from. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what they say. They were probably around 50 orcs. Flipping the thing on this. A dozen or so got it in their heads to start raping. My father wanted to stop them. He hid my mother, a human woman he didn't know at all and fought off a dozen of his peers before the chieftain came through and broke up the fight. That's the story she told me on her deathbed. So maybe some orcs have some decency in them. What's your point? My point, Smith the Smith, is to be wary of stories you hear, especially ones that help the powerful stay in power. I love that line. I asked each of them, who do you serve? There's that theme introduced. Well done, Thank Christian. Thank you. man, the king. I'm a big fan of I'm a big fan of themes, in fact, and uh, mm-hmm. Benny Benny often wise say that themes are for book reports, uh, and I strongly disagree. Power over them. Themes are for book reports. I, I, I respect. I will say um, I respect a ton of what uh, Benny often wise managed to do, but I might add that um, sticking to finding themes that interest you might possibly lead to um, a satisfying conclusion mm. of a story. I Could you go ahead and that. grab? Ooh. Could you? You go Ooh, ahead and grab shit. your mic and then drop it. Shit. Thank you. I was like, oh, damn. Red for Bell. Red. <laughs> little Kermit with the T there. That's great. Although, <laughs> while I don't disagree with your point, maybe we shouldn't uh, be throwing stones about finishing stories yeah. eight years later. Yeah. Stop. We're still Stop. developing the story. Hey, like, we could take as long as we like to do it right. Exactly. <laughs> your friends who mind the arm exactly i know i have no i'm not i'm not shitting on george r martin at all take as long as you want oh good times you make hard work where are we at now let's see this is a long scene hurts wife ever have to go outside the walls to get water it's a lady's right to be safe in her family's castle who gave her that right who denied that right it's one of our talkiest you know what the scene needs more narrator i like it i like it Dubious theology aside. Like theatrical in that point. To that right. It's just the way things are. Yeah. What if before I came it's- kidding aside, I think this was actually a departure. Like this was a scene when we really let the narration slip to the background and let the dialogue carry. So there was a lot of stuff that we were like trying in this um, chapter in this episode to see if we could get away with it. Um, and I think a lot of it worked. Like I said, I think this is one of our, our stronger chapters early on. Commoners is not so secret ingredient in their alchemy. Before me, every war you saw was between one prince and another. That is what they do with the steel and gold born of common sweat. Not bread for your belly, not a home for your family, not shoes for your children. Oh, right. Okay, so two things here. This is when we um, 
compare capitalism's generation of surplus value to blood sacrifice. Um, and it's also this sec the bl- food for your bellies, whatever, um, uh, was also me taking um, the lyrics from what's that Rage Against the Machine song, the not, not clothes, not shoes, not food, not need, just feed, that, that, that one. I just kind of took the structure no of that. <laughs> no idea. That's great. Wait, what, what song is it from? What, what Rage Against the Machine song is that from? I'm trying to remember. Bulls on Parade? Bulls on Parade? All right. Thank so I'm going to listen to that so. later. Who do you serve? The princes? Who've proven in no uncertain terms that they do not serve you. Or will you serve those who actually need your help? How do I know who you actually want to help? You're a chaos. I know. Well, Smith, it's my word against theirs. Wait, did he call him a chaos worshiper? If you believe what yeah. told a chaos worshiper, that's what you are. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> I did. I think it's came my accent. I think it's <laughs> the way things are that Galadon wielded. You need to ask yourself whether you're really satisfied with that answer. Mm. Okay, I'm going to let you get back to the commentary in just a minute, but first I want to tell you about Shaker and Spoon. Shaker and Spoon is a subscription cocktail service that helps you learn how to make handcrafted cocktails right at home. Every box comes with enough ingredients to make three different cocktail recipes developed by world-class mixologists. At just $40 to $50 per month, plus the cost of the bottle, this is a super cost-effective way to enjoy craft cocktails. And you can skip or cancel boxes at any time. So class up your nightcaps, impress everybody on the Zoom happy hour, uh, or be the best quarantine roommate of all time with your Shaker and Spoon box. And you can get $20 off your first box at shakerandspoon.com slash T-O-A-F-N. That's shakerandspoon.com slash T-O-A-F-N. Okay, back to the episode. The small detachment of Civic Guard had travelled non-stop since dawn. They were relieved finally to reach the hill marked on the map that Smith had given Here's the reveal. pledged the weapons. They fumbled. I liked how this reveal worked. Yeah, yeah, very fun. And then excited... Economical, if I can get away with tooting my own horn. <laughs> then the Toot down horn. The realization that haunted these guardsmen in their dying moments was not that orcs had found them, but rather that the orcs who beset them were armed not with stone weapons, but with well-made steel. Episode break. Episode break. Now rejoin Brennan and Regan. That's like almost like a bottle episode, like that, like yeah. part being just mm-hmm. the conversation. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Hopeless confrontation. And we've done several of those since, so I'm glad we we tried it that time. You know? Fuckers know what this shit is? Ever heard of thunder dust? Yeah, you have. You shoot me, I drop this, and we get blown to Selbrin. 
Don't be a fool, girl. They can just walk out of range, said a Guernatal officer, regarding the several Redmore crossbow men with sights on Brent. Yo, I died laughing when I heard that line. So <laughs> he was like, we can just walk out of Which range. One? He was like, don't be a fool. We can just walk out of range. I didn't even think about that. So this is like a great comeback. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. Take a step back. But what's up? Like, I love it. It's so good. Very fun. So you're just going to head back that way, and we're going to head back this way. No, we're not. What? what? We're going to the castle. Have you lost your fucking mind? Again. Take us to his majesty. Great. Tell us who started this mutiny. Ugh, I love Garrett. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's so great. It's so great. Because she finally gets what it. She talks sense. her way out, and then Brynn, like, literally, like, somehow takes it all. It's fucking brilliant. It's great writing. Like, how do you make it so that's outside what we would assume would happen? Boom. Third option. Brennan. It's just like, no, we're going to the castle. Perfect. I love it. Yeah, yeah. And it was kind of like, response to an um, that Gwen had it was like, I, I like that there was some antagonism between some Brennan and Regan early on. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a believable kind too. It's like a, it's like a, he's doing well. He's not like, it's not something where we as audience would not like either one of them, but we like the fact that they both don't get along because of the things that we like about them. I love that. That was mm-hmm. great. Yeah. As you're saying, like neither one is wrong, you know? Yeah. It's great. And they're both so stubborn. Right, exactly. It's good. It's good. I could have stopped him. Had I any courage at all. It wasn't the right moment. And when is? This is this is Lily. Oh, this is great. This is this a great was, This was dude. Lily's last episode. Or no, no. She uh, killed it. Yes, she was, this was good. Her second chapter. Dude, she was. She killed it. It was so good. These were really good moments. We've had Damn. it's. We've had so many great performers over the the years, and for um, sure, Juliet for sure. has filled uh, uh, Lily's shoes admirably uh, as well. But yeah, we've had we've Doing been so job. lucky with the people who. Yeah. Don't be shit. Please don't stay cross with me. You've worried yourself sick these last few days, Melody. Why don't we take a walk in the garden? Arlene laid down on her. I think this is the first time that we heard. I detect a little frustration in Gwen's voice in this in this performance in this scene. I think this is the first time we ever heard them like, you know, we ever heard any tension um, between them. And I remember kind of setting out to like consciously write like a love that can to- can withstand failure, you know? That's good. It's also like Arlene's just throwing a tantrum and Gwen's yeah. like, snap out of it. Yeah, and she's kind of doing that thing of like, she's being extremely self-deprecating, you know, to mm. the point of absurdity so that they're not dealing with like the actual problem, which I think is like an understandable <sighs> Um, coping mechanism for Ugh. a lot of people, but ultimately not, you know. That's exactly it. To- that's great, though. That's a, oh, that's such a great fucking like insight. That's true. Oh, yeah. All right. Sorry. I, I'm sorry. I'm totally fanboying over here. I, Arlene. How, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Wow. Prop, props to whoever did that. That was great. I mean, that's pro- props. That was great. That is a real fucking con- like. That's a real persona. It's a real life thing that I feel like we all have been guilty of at one point in time. But that's fucking great. And it makes me very, very, very proud of how Arlene has grown, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, Gwen, for her part, is like, I'm I'm going to keep loving you without tolerating your yeah. bullshit, you know? 
Yeah, yeah. It's almost like a. It's hard to show like correct or like healthy ways in which to react to certain like behavior or whatever, how to cope with the world, and then especially when it comes to like relationships that we write because we're so used to like mm-hmm. seeing that it has to be like one extreme or another. It has to be like crazy or like the person is being irrational. It's like no, we can make a compelling story and people still make healthy decisions or they they, they can be like like healthy partners or like you know like make productive decisions like as a partnership and still have to go through conflict. I think that's fucking great. I love that. Like that's 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 real. Exactly what it is. She's like being assertive but still being company, I think. Yeah. Anyway. Now we are coming up on still maybe the best uh, line that I've ever written. <laughs> well, let's hear it. Treasons against the realm, blasphemies against Galadon, and issuing orders which would bring dishonor. You're a liar. None of this will stand. General Brennan of... We got a little while. I remember I was writing this scene while I was waiting at the... Waiting oh. to get called for jury duty. And I think I got to this one part and I was like, I'm not writing anything better today, so close the laptop. I'll die before I'm judged by the likes of you. You are now charged with obstructing an investigation of this court. Oh, is it Regan's line? Yeah. That's a good line. From Gunther Guernatal. There is a special rack in Selberin for traitors, you upjumped shite. You are now charged with addressing... I do love them just, like, dragging Ardell to hell for this entire scene. It's really fun. Ardell's men tried to follow this order, but they could not get Brennan's considerable heft to budge. Get your hands off me, you fucking swine. That's two counts of obscenity. It finally <sighs> took six men to drag the raging general away. You. Meaning, Regan. You are charged with vagrancy... <laughs> I agree with and seducing an officer of the military. How do you plead? Bite my cunt. <laughs> In the morning, you will be hung. My only regret is that we, could, we didn't know how to record crowd scenes as well back then. Like, I wish I could have had everybody in the room at the same time with Jared micing them up in stereo and just everybody losing their shit. <laughs> that would be great. I can see that happening. <laughs> When he heard the heavy footsteps, soon he was face to face with the cat. Oh, right. I forget that they, Gunther and Brennan have a moment in this scene. I forgot about in this episode. In silence for several minutes before Gunther decided what he wanted to say. It's not your fault. If I had gotten there back a bit sooner. You couldn't have predicted Redmore's betrayal. I'm supposed to be the one with a mind for politics. All right, that little romance thing happening. Virtuous men would never think of. It would have been nice to meet her. She's, she's of a different world than you or I. No doubt. Very diplomatic, Brennan. Verona. That's a name from the old times. Her grandmother. This is when we were still pronouncing it with two syllables before I learned some more about Welsh and retconned the correct pronunciation. Well, never mind all that. But what's the correct pronunciation? Is it Rona? Ayarana. Uh, I- You're supposed to roll Iorana. the R if you can. Welsh names typically have three syllables with a with an emphasis on the uh, or four. I whatever with the there's an I- an emphasis on the um, the middle one. I can't roll my R's. That's all. Okay. <laughs> oh wait, no, we do say this. Yeah, we do say it. Got it. Okay. So who was this Irona from the old times? Well, they pronounced it Rona then. 
Here we go. the elves brought peace and men mm-hmm. warring tribes. She was a famous warrior queen. Sounds about right. Oh? She's violent, devious, ruthless, uncompromising, doesn't give a damn about anyone but herself. So you're saying... If only she gave a damn about anyone but herself, she'd be a perfect queen. Elsewhere in the... Not about that line, that's nice. Dennis read yeah, Rick it's a good line. <laughs> it is. With her this scene her back is lifted, the narration here is lifted almost word for word from uh, uh, No Country for Old Men by Cormac McCarthy. Um, really? And if you remember in the movie, early on when Sugar is uh, is handcuffed in jail and the cop is on the phone and he just like shimmies out of the handcuffs and sneaks up behind the guy and kills him. If you've seen that scene in the movie, that's exactly what I was picturing um, for this section. And it's why I wrote the narration basically word for word. Oh, uh, so okay, cool, 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 cool. Wow! So nice. you're an original. Yes. <laughs> In order to protect a young girl, we call it homage. Ian. Mm-hmm. There you go. At least convincing. I guess you did just cite your sources. <laughs> yeah, eight years yeah, later exactly. or whatever. Fuck's happening. <laughs> At the peak of erotic excitement, Weenie, shut the fuck up. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a good moment. And you're nailing this guy? No, that's not. Christ, Billy, not everything is about you. Mm. What's that kid doing here? Close the door. Jen's performance was a ruse to keep Sergeant McShane away. Which one is Sergeant McShane again? If I recall, he is city guard and friend to our host. He's a monster. We're learning to molest her or something. Mm-hmm. That's why he comes here. Is that you, Ian? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's me. It's a child molester, Billy. Whoa, shit. Are you sure? <laughs> I'm sure. No offense, but are we expected to merely take your word? I saw the way she looked when she came in here. Yulian was such a shit when we met him. Anything <laughs> good. Yeah, that's true. Does he? I guess he does grow. Yeah. Why not just report him to his superiors? Surely they would disapprove. Then we'll all be in jail, and the kids will be in orphanages. There's no better for them in there. We should leave this place. We can escort you two as far as... You think as... I'm here because I've got better options. Yulouine, take the children elsewhere. I'll stay here to hide these two until McShane leaves. What about all the other kids? I can only hide so many in this room before someone notices. No, we, we need to stop him or it's just going to keep happening. This world is filled with evil. The righteous must choose their battles. We cannot win this one. I refuse to believe that. It, it is, it's like, it's nice to kind of see the growth of the, like, of the characters because Nia yeah. is now much more like, no, you do the right thing no matter what, you know? Um, and I think, like, I think Jen pushed her forward. Castle Gwernatal. Gwen mm-hmm. searched the cavernous pantry for some sweet to cheer up her mistress. As she moved aside a small barrel... Ingrid, get! A mangy cat skulked away deeper into the shelves. Oh, it's showdown. Sensing the commotion outside... Yeah, the cat. There's nothing good. I love this scene. Yeah. It's a good scene. Place to hide in the Great payoff. This is also... I'm, I'm sorry to have... ...that led through some tunnels and out of the castle. 
I'm sorry to well to have killed this cat, but I was specifically killing the cat to avoid the screenwriting advice of don't kill the cat. When wheeled around to see a style sword Holding it was the very determined-looking woman she had seen in court a few hours before. Move or you die. You're the one they brought in with the general. And I'll be leaving by myself, right through that door. Maybe over your corpse, but that's up to you. You were Skyped. I can see you're a little slow, so I'm going to give you one more try. How many men did you kill to escape? As many as I had to. If you move right the fuck now, you won't be one of them. If not, I will put this sword through you and you will die. Got it? You can save the king and the general. But I won't. Last chance. Help us. I beg of you. Fuck. I tried. Gwen closed her eyes as Regan raised her sword. The mangy cat leapt at Regan. Reflexively, Regan flicked her sword towards her feline assailant. Two bloody halves of Ingrid the cat fell to the ground. Shit. Strangely, and for the first time in many years, it took concentration for Regan not to look shaken. Was that your cat? Wasn't really anyone's, but I fed her. Sorry about that. So, do I have to kill you too? No, you can help instead. You're not gonna be a hero. You're just gonna be dead. Servants don't make it into the songs. Ardell Redmore is a monster. Good people will suffer if he's not stopped. Good people suffer no matter what. I don't need to suffer too. Sorry, sweetheart. Do yourself a favor and close your eyes. No. Have it your way. Regan raised the sword once more. Look me in the eyes. Understand the pain and despair that's brought me to this... Does that make you feel nothing? Nope. I'm sorry. I imagine in your shoes I'd say the same, but... I'm sorry. Oh, God, fucking damn it! What are you so eager to die for? Love. Love. Love? Are you fucking... Love? You scrape up everyone's shit so they'll feed you. How could you possibly be so fucking stupid as to love anything? Only other choice is to hate. I love Regan's anger here at the idea that you would die for love. Preacher? Me sister, before she died. Regan's eyes were lit coals. She went this way. Like the idea that, you know, she's angry about it because there's some truth to it that she doesn't want to face, you know? And bowed her head. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's some real shit. I can't wait for Regan to fall in love with something. <laughs> with something. Aww. With something. <laughs> Besides herself. I have That's ideas. Real. I have ideas, but I'm not going to talk mm. about them until I'm more confident about them. Oh, that'll be another eight years. Yeah, that'll be... Yes. This is what we... This is great, though. Dang, this is... I, I, I don't remember if we were in the same room. I, I don't remember. One blow. I cannot get you out of here now. That's weakness. They'll come for you first. I know you want to fight back. Please don't. I'm going to make him beat me to death. In front. I can I definitely remember, picture the studio, but I, I don't remember. Because yeah. Lily was away in, was in like, California for a period point, as well. Yes, right. I think this was before that, I think. You know that. Mm. Yeah. Won't care to see you. And this is in case anybody, in case there's any doubt in anybody's mind, um, 
Regan's return here is very much modeled after Han Solo coming back at the end of New Hope. My last order. He was always kind of our, our Han Solo, and this is supposed to be that moment. Okay, but... <laughs> so if, if anyone does love Regan, then she's definitely going to say, I know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> True that. There yeah, is. that's exactly right. The trail of Redmore corpses Regan had made on her way back. And Regan would definitely shoot first in oh, any yeah. situation. Well, that was yeah. 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 Yes. in the tavern. That was 100% uh, Greedo. <laughs> like, that's what that was supposed to be, except turned up to 11 because she sets him on fire at the sound of the last voice yeah, true. ever expected to hear fire is pretty <laughs> this is true mm-hmm. Sound it doesn't have quite the same effect that. as gunpowder but it's effective father's lands sisters it was a fond memory which made the black silhouette dancing frantically on the horizon all the more worrying in comparison. Right, so this, um, I'm going to maybe... Which one is this? I'm going to maybe uh, part the curtain um, more than I should, but as I was writing, as we were finishing up the script for book two, chapter seven, and we had to deal with some stuff in Nia's past, I came back to this scene almost by accident and remembered that we established that she has sisters, which then changed something that I had to write for book two, chapter seven. She was moist with cold sweat. Elsewhere in the house, Jen bathed in a brass tub. She found her anger had improved her concentration. If you had looked closely, you would have seen the fine hairs on her arms stand on end. Is this? There was something earlier in that I think we talked over, but about uh, Jen like needing to charge her phone with lightning power. Mm. Is that is that going to like come back at the end? It's like circuitous phone charging in a fantasy realm. (laughs) What do you mean circuitous phone charging? Really. But not because of you or anything. No, just like, I don't know, some really, you know, expertly plotted, you know, thing where she has to charge her phone at the very last minute to get home. Ready for this place. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Such a long pause. It's like, mm, wait, where part are we at? TV. Uh, Let's see. I was getting Wait, she, if she was able to charge, would she be able to call home, though? That's a pretty no, nice thought about we that. Have, like, no, we've established that, like, there's no... Um, Reception. Yeah. <laughs> you can't go across dimensions or whatever. Is this another yeah. dimension? I don't think about that. Is it, like, another portal or dimension or world? Has mm, anyone watched Devs yet? Is it? It's like mm. that, which is multiverse. He dropped his weapons on the floor in front of him. Throwing out a bunch of questions now. I don't even I, know. If this helps. I haven't seen that show. Oh, it's good. It's really good. It's on multiverses. I love it. I love anything I have to do with multiverses. I think it's fucking brilliant because it's just hard to write on. Uh, cool. What, what happened? That is, uh, Grandpa. Morsels? Did someone say morsels? We should get the fuck what? No. Please tell me I thought someone said morsels. They didn't. Nope. No. Whoever <laughs> was? Nope. nope. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. All right. <laughs> Why'd you say my name like that? <laughs> it might have been like some overlap hearing the episode and us talking like yeah. cross talk or something. Definitely was. Definitely Not was. Not we know anything sure. about that. You mean before you <laughs> fucked her and left her to starve? See what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> 
She pulls no punches. Yeah, she is a blunt instrument. Really? It is true that she has become more subtle as the show has gone on. Much like Han Solo. The light from the yeah. torch Brennan carried revealed a lever on the wall. Just like Han Solo. Outline of a doorway. It breaks my heart to retreat from my own house, Brennan. We'll be back before long. And I'll bring oh, okay, that's right, yeah, We're on top page 53. Brennan pulled the lever and the wall slid open. A Redmore soldier was waiting in the pouring rain with a crossbow. Brennan and Regan reflexively dodged his bolt as Regan sent a razor star whistling through the soldier's throat. They looked back and saw the bolt buried in Gunther's chest. He coughed blood and fell to his knees as Brennan ran to catch him. Don't worry. We'll get you to a doctor. I'm sure we can find one in Armstrongard. You just need to stay awake for a little while. But the king's eyes were empty. Brennan. Be quiet and help me move him. Brennan, you know damn Shut up. He's dead, and we will be too if we don't leave right now. Three Redmore pikemen came to block the apparently not-so-secret exit. Brennan looked them in the eyes for half a moment and then unleashed a terrible and inhuman sound. All right. The faces of the soldiers turned to pale terror. They dropped their pikes and turned to flee, but Brennan was on them. He swung his axe once and cut the three men clean in half. Through the rain. Yeah, I know. That would take a All lot, right. huh? Two men trying to... <laughs> I think we'd always, we'd well, always kind of imagine that Brennan and Regan would both be, like, the two almost supernaturally good fighters. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Because I think we had set that up before as a yeah. rumor. Like, there was a rumor that Brennan could yes. cut three people on a single swipe. And so this was, like, proving that he can yeah. actually do it. And then he... Beats two guys t- to death with each other, which I was just trying to find like something yeah, that would be horrible to listen to, and that's what I came up with. He brought that. That is perfect. That's perfect. Oh god. Again and again and again. That sound effect. Yeah. Oh. That was probably somebody oh. hitting meat with a, something. Fistfuls of bloody pulp. Only then did he let the bodies. I'm pretty sure the Foley in Fight Club when Brad Pitt's like, Ew, or like you know, it's beating them, yeah, to, to, to a pulp is is just like a basketball and like a wet pavement. Yeah. Gross! But it's so, uh, it was so nasty though. Absolutely, it was Jared Leto. Jared Leto's getting his ass beat. It's crazy. I didn't even know that. You know, yeah. yeah Jared, really? Yeah, it's Jared Leto. Go back and watch. It's wild. I had no idea. Yeah, because I think I guess this was like his early part of his career or something, but yeah, it's Jared Leto of all people. The first guy oh. is Meatloaf. I remember that. Regan produced <laughs> The big yeah, guy. The yeah. skinny, skinny blonde is Jared Leto. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, wild. Was running white and I love that movie in high school. Oh, so good. You guys know Meatloaf was in the original cast of Hair? Did not know that. <gasps> I love that. Did not know that. Yeah, so my dad has seen Meatloaf naked. And dove in as well as her pot exploded and collapsed the tunnel. Redmore cavalry tried to give chase, but the mud was disastrous for their horses. Arrows fell ineffectually into the water, and archers watched with despair as three shapes disappeared in the torrent. The sun was just rising on Madame Bailey's. 
This episode does a good job at like introducing um, the ideas of like, actual dangers, actual perils in the series. Like, mm. I saw him outside. It just heightens the stakes very well. Them home f- when he does, we can depart. At the very least, bringing them home for the for the party. Going to keep happening. Because this also this was all like set up in the background, but was kind of like. Not super present, I think. This is the kind of wickedness so vile and rotten that it pollutes. I always envisioned Christopher Lee as Gunther. Mm. That's good. Mm. That's really good, yeah. That's a good one. I'm sorry. What are you sorry for? I don't know. Everything. (laughs) I do like some things about my life. I know what I... I just wouldn't have liked it if someone looked at me the way that I was looking at you. You're not me. No. I could have walked away. You should go and gather your things. We don't really know Jen. The audience doesn't really know Jen's whole backstory yet at this point. But we were trying to, like, to the sound of make her behavior still consistent mm. with it in a way that, that would foreshadow it. Yeah. Brennan ripped the arrow out of his arm. And held his hand over the bleeding wound. You just fought harder than most young men I've seen. Aye, and I did it with the body of one fucking old one. That's when he saw the lifeless body of the former High King, His Late Majesty Gunther Guernatal. As he painfully remembered all that had brought him to the banks of this lake, his face betrayed a furious kind of despair that very few people could understand. I'm sorry about the king, Brennan. There was nothing. Brennan leapt to his feet. I think that's the first time Regan has ever said sorry. Instinctively went for her. Not sure about that. But Brennan dropped his axe at her feet. At least meant it. Yeah, yeah. Long yeah. live the queen. I think the clip where she says like, "I'm sorry, that wasn't ladylike." Oh, Verily, yeah, yeah, I hear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. But that's not. That's not that's serious. Not <laughs> that's fucking weird. <laughs> All right. Now. Sit down and let's deal with the hole in your arm. Regan unraveled her bedroll to reveal a small armory of very nasty-looking things. And, of course, her long sword, half-sword, and dagger. Told you I sleep better with it. From among the weapons, the likes of many of which Brennan had never seen, despite his decades on the fields of battle, she produced some bandages. So, uh, by royal decree, I... What the fuck do we do now? First we find the children. Then we may need to appeal to the elves directly. Tell them the high throne has been usurped. If only we could have gotten Gunther's talisman of dominion. What's that? Huh? Talismans of dominion are elven artifacts. Oh yeah, I love this. Given to each of the great houses to signify that the elvish high council will recognize their rule. And there was one of those back at the castle? Aye. Kept in a heavily guarded vault far below ground. Was it... By any chance, like a platinum egg with all kinds of jewels and shit on it? Aye. How did you... You stole it, didn't you? <laughs> it's brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> nice. I'm not going to escape. And well performed, this whole scene, both of you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Your grace. If I ever had a daughter... I'd pray to every god there is she'd turn out nothing like you. All the same, I think we can get along. I think I know what you mean. The night we met at the tavern, 
That was clever with the brandy. I I love their like semi friendship, and yeah. this is the first scene that it starts to come together, and I just adore it. I think it I think it starts from a place of mutual respect, and then it. Mm-hmm. But here's where it's like deepening into like a rapport. Mm-hmm. At least I'm alive to be troubled. Before we spoke of monsters, men so we say the theme out loud. The world is better off with. <laughs> I'm one of them. If you're a monster, I don't want to know what I am. But I'm starting to think the world needs us. What good can a man possibly do when all he knows is how to destroy? He can destroy bad men. The men who make it so that I had to be this way would die. In the songs, it's always virtuous men who vanquish evil. Christian, in the script it says he can destroy bad people. Did we yeah. change it to men when we I were recording we, it? I think we probably did, probably just to keep a parallel, but like the lines interplay. What can a man possibly do? He can destroy bad men. Mm. Mm-hmm. her ashen visage in the looking glass. She splashed water into her mouth in a futile attempt to wash out the sick taste. She tried to steady her breathing, but found that she could not stop shaking. She searched her mind for a peaceful memory. Cheerleading. The applause of a crowd directed at her. Her teammates congratulating her in the locker room. The locker room. Her hand Here we get a little more foreshadowing. ...she had left on her dresser, and she felt a strange sense of calm. As she walked... I always complain about those HBO inside the episodes where they just, like, they say the subtext out loud, but then I do a commentary, and I remember how hard it is to not do exactly that. Mmm! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ...took a step down from his coach to look her up and down. Yeah, sorry, dearie. Maybe a few years ago. Jen plunged the dirk into McShane's belly. Yeah. His shock was almost as profound as hers. Coming to her senses after a short eternity, Jen yanked the sword up into McShane's ribs and then out. He fell Ooh. forwards into a pile of his own innards. Ooh. Jen looked down at his corpse, shaking and weeping. <laughs> she closed her eyes. Hey. I forgot the details on that. She definitely did like a little death though. She was like, oh, okay. Oh. It's a, I, I, I have never killed anybody, but I imagine the first time you kill somebody, uh, disemboweling them is a pretty rough way to do it. way rough way to go. She could have pulled that out, like, but in and out. She was like, no. And twisted a little bit. I don't know. Christian Madera. Wild. Well, thank you everybody for uh, for joining us uh, on this commentary. I think this was really fun. We'll see if um, editing it, editing it turns into a, a chaotic nightmare. But uh, I certainly <laughs> enjoyed myself. Um, does anybody have Christian, anything? Christian, you chaos chaos worshiper. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you you neutral evil man. Exactly. <laughs> um, does anybody have anything they want to plug before they go? I know that uh, a lot of our uh, work uh, processes have slowed down quite a bit, but I want to mm. give everybody the chance. Oh, oh, uh, yes! Uh, shout out to all of the um, the millennials uh, convincing their parents to stay home. Oh yeah, some real. That's real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shout outs. Most time, yeah. I suppose. Holly. Mm-hmm. 
Um, if anyone needs a laugh and is a Game of Thrones fan, um, I did some Game of Thrones parodies last year um, with a company called Recent Cutbacks, and they're available on their YouTube channel uh, through the end of April. Um, so if you liked or disliked the final season of Game of Thrones, but you want to see a bunch of us parody each episode pretty much shot for shot, um, nice. you can check that out on the Recent Cutbacks YouTube channel. Recent Cutbacks YouTube channel. It's called channel. Next Day Next Day Thrones is the series. <laughs> Recent Cutbacks YouTube channel. Recent, oops. Recent, Recent Cutbacks. Yeah, Recent. cool. That's my plug. That's all I got. Oh, oh, I got a plug. I got a plug. I got a plug. Hold up. Okay, okay really do it. Like, jumping in now. All right, so uh, I have like a plug for, uh, I'm doing like this thing. I did this like, uh, it's like an experimental like film thing or whatever. I have two of them, but the one that's coming up like this week is on Friday. It's just look look at the Nose Blog, Nose Blog YouTube that I'm like released like an experimental thing called Snakes Don't Dance, and it's like that like, happening this week or whatever. So if you guys like just like cool. super bored and watch some weird experimental dance shit that looks really cool, eh, watch uh, Snakes Don't Dance. It's on the Nose Blog. That's it. That's all I got. Cool. Uh, um, cool. I want to give a shout out to um friend of the show, uh, Giovanni Colantonio, who does Left Trigger, Right Trigger, and did Full Metal Bazinga with Greg, um, has just started a Twitter account with Hard Drive Magazine, uh, which is a video games uh, website, and it's on Twitter at at Violate Geneva. And all this Twitter account does is tell you yes or no whether different video games allow you to violate the Geneva Conventions. Um, and it's actually <laughs> one of the one of the most incisive pieces of like video games criticism that I've ever seen because it is just remarkable how many video <laughs> games just casually let you do war crimes. What really? So That's that is brilliant. Violate uh, Geneva on Twitter. That's awesome at Violet Geneva on Twitter. I'm going there right now. Yeah. <laughs> Run, don't walk. <laughs> Violet Geneva. Okay, well. Mm-hmm. Guys, thank you everyone for, for joining us. Thank you all for, for participating in this fun little chat. And anyone listening, if you like this, if you hated this, let us know. Give us feedback. We can do it again if people are into it. We could never do it again if it turned out awful. So. <laughs> Just just let us know. Send us a line, the usual Twitter, Facebook. Send us a direct email, all the usual stuff. Guys, you cannot and, violate yeah. the Geneva Conventions in Assassin's Creed 2 only because they did not exist during the Renaissance, which is what a is cop-out. Ge- wait, 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 wait. Now <laughs> I know, what is the Geneva Convention and what are they violating? Isn't that like a, a, a thing with the, the UN and something? I Now I found I sound stupid. I should Google these things. No, I it's, say like that di- it's like it's our conventions on like war and like war torture and like taking prisoners, it, torture, that sort of thing. Yeah. It was, oh, uh, I it, was, it was after World War One, was it? And one of the hallmarks was banning the use of gas. Right. Oh, uh, right. I, I think right. that's right. I do. Uh, what they okay. do say, according to Giovanni's Twitter account, you can violate um, the Geneva Conventions in Luigi's Mansion, which the idea that, like, ghosts are protected by the Geneva Convention is really, that's a mindfuck. So, anyway. <laughs> I have that one. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> okay, well, now you can violate the Geneva Conventions in it. Um, I've okay. only been playing Mario Party 7, but oh, nice. that's okay. 
on nice. my brother's GameCube from 2006. Nice. Oh, I, that's not, I was going to say that's not the one on Switch, unfortunately, because then we could no. play together. But okay. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying. I don't think you can violate the Geneva Conventions in Mario Party 7, but I'll have to ask G. Apparently you can violate. Bowser is violating them. <laughs> that's true. Oh, yeah. The yeah. Koopa Army. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm curious to hear G's take on Apparently that. Apparently, you right, well, can you, violate the Geneva Convention in The Sims. What? Oh, you can like drown people. Roller coaster. Can, yeah, you can totally just like drown people and like lock them in a bathroom until they die. Oh, yeah, <laughs> something is a uh, roller coaster tycoon. You, just, you can you drown just, people. You just delete the door, and then they starve and they become ghosts. You just delete the door, and then you can violate the Geneva Conventions again once they're ghosts by uh, vacuuming them oh up. My God. It sounds like an episode of Black Mirror. Ian, you have not played The Sims to its full potential. <laughs> its full sociopath spoken like Regan. Uh, okay, we've gone off Perfect. the rails here. Thank you, everybody. On that note, oh my god, thank this you so is much. Mario dropping a penguin! <laughs> what? I, he's roughing up a penguin? I'm he's dropping a penguin off a cliff! A baby uh, also, penguin. they said on left trigger, right trigger. They on left trigger, right trigger. They did a bit about how uh, podcast commentaries um, are uh, can't work and are stupid. So uh, either this went great and suck it, guys, or uh, this didn't go good and uh, you were right and we're sorry. Anyway, thanks for the good website. <laughs> we can edit this depending right, on how it went. Sure, that's true. That is true. Like, all right. All right. Yeah. Well, so, so right, long, thanks, everybody. I am going to stop the recording now. Please (laughs) save us. Hey, everyone. If you're enjoying the Once in Future Nerd, you might enjoy this show from our friends. Hi, I'm Kyle Willoughby. And I'm Claire White. And we host the podcast, Dragons, Sexy Robots, and Adventures, A Nerd Manual. Or DSRA for short. We're a nerd history podcast that aims to explore the roots of our favorite stories. Why is Black Panther Afrofuturism? What other famous movie directors wanted to make Jurassic Park? Every other week, we take an older and newer piece of nerd culture and seek to better understand their relationship by talking about what influenced them and the production behind them. 